Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This episode of the Human Technology Podcast deals one more time with automated or autonomous driving. This time with a very strong focus on the HMI issues connected to the different levels of autonomous driving. So I will discuss the levels that we have. I will describe them in, in a short way. And then I will have a look at the single levels and discuss what HMI issues we will experience in cars when we have the levels of autonomy or automation implemented. In the beginning, a little background, um, some definitions. The first thing is automated versus autonomous driving. I used to mix them up, uh, use them more or less equally. And I had to learn that in both in German and in uh, English, this is not true. So I will try to be straight and I will try to be 100% correct with this. I cannot promise that um, I may not use them in the wrong way, but automated means that something is automated that um, there is a task sharing between human and machine, in this case between driver and rolling robot. And autonomous means fully automated, so that there is definitely no interaction or an extremely limited interaction of the then passenger and the rolling robot is required. So automated describes different levels of automation and autonomous means fully automated, fully self-driving, no uh, interference with the driver, no intervention of the driver with the vehicle is required. Second thing, the levels I'm using are based on the SAE definition. The SAE is the Society of Automotive Engineers. It's a U.S. American organization that, um, well, is a society of engineers that work in automotive. And as comparable organizations all over the world, they also bring out standards, uh, they bring out norms, they uh, write recommendations, so that um, as an engineer you have an orientation and These organizations like the SAE are highly respected uh, amongst the engineering uh, guys, but also in the uh, legal and political community. 
So what they say has a certain level of seriousness, uh, has a certain level of reliability, and so we just believe in what these guys uh, tell us. And so I will use the SAE definition of levels in autonomous driving. This, first of all, is because it is a more or less globally accepted definition of autonomous driving. So if you go out and uh, talk to someone in the automotive industry and say, hey, um, this car has a level two automation, then... Uh, most people will know uh, without explicitly saying what it means or that it is the SAE definition I'm, I'm referring to. It's just the common um, understanding that we have in the community. So this is the main reason why I say, okay, the SAE definition of levels of autonomous driving is the one I am using. There are others out there. Um, of the VDI in Germany, for example, um, I think the European Union has one. They are all somehow similar and they all discuss the relationship between human and machine, between the rolling robot and the human. And it always describes who is doing what on different levels of automation. So if you have a low automation, more tasks are to be done by the human. And if you have a um, high level of automation, more tasks are done, are performed by the machine. And this differentiation in automation or this concept of levels describing the, the um, distribution of tasks that is similar in any kind of automation, whether it's aviation, whether it's machine, and, or, or if it's automotive. And um, so it makes sense to have these levels. Um, it makes sense to have one common definition to, to discuss it. And again, uh, there are others out there, but um, I'm using the definitions, the level definitions of the SAE, the Society of Automotive Engineers. So let's start um, with level zero. Footnote, many believe that the SAE defines five different levels, which is not true. It actually defines six different levels because there is a level zero as well. And as the name says, level zero means that there is no automation in the driving which um, for many reasons is true, but also not fully true. If you have a look back in, in history, in automotive history, in the early 20th century, the cars were totally different uh, from what they are today. And uh, I, I think hardly any one of us, including myself, uh, we will not be able to drive any of the cars built in 1910, 1920, because many things that are automated today, for example, the ignition or the, the starting of an engine, all that was manual at that time. So if you add um, automatic gearboxes and, and electric window lifters, you can see that many things in the, in the cars, in, in, the, in the automotive uh, world, are already automated. 
some things we do not need to take care about or where just the button press is okay to start or sufficient to start a complex process. So um, we're having different uh, things we are, have automated in, in the past in cars. What we are talking about here is the car driving process. Basically meaning keeping a car on the road, keeping a car away from crashing into others, steering it, uh, saying, okay, um, I, I will need to turn uh, right at the next junction and then uh, you, make, you make a right at the next junction. So it's the car driving process that gets automated these days and all these levels of automation, they circle around this core driving process. So level zero, zero automation. Level one means that one dimension of the driving task is automated, either lateral or longitudinal. Means either it's lane keeping, you will know these uh, lane keeping assistant uh, is assistant uh, systems that you have in, in uh, many cars uh, on, on, the, on the roads today. So that's the lateral control, left, right. Or you have the longitudinal control, which is performed by, by a computer or by, by the machine, by the car, which means keeping the distance and keeping the speed, keeping the distance to cars ahead and keeping the speed of, of my car. And you will know these uh, cruise controls, these automated cruise controls that have uh, integrated um, distance measuring, usually with the radar or with uh, infrared or with whatever technologies, camera technologies, um, that allow you to set a certain, certain speed, for example, 65 miles or 110 kilometers per hour. And if a car in front of you is slower than that, your own car slows down and keeps a constant distance that is usually measured in, 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 in seconds. So you can um, choose between 1, 1.5, 2 seconds in many systems. But anyway, the car is keeping the distance to the car ahead if it goes slower than your selected speed. So this is level 1 automation, either lateral or longitudinal. Level two means that two dimensions of the driving are automated, lateral and longitudinal. So you can turn on the system and basically the car is driving by itself. This driving is limited to selected driving contexts, for example, only on the highway or only on... Uh, roads with lane marks are only on roads that have a special infrastructure. This is one thing you have to keep in mind in level two and the other one, the, the, the more important one as far as the relationship between human and uh, vehicle is concerned, is that a constant human monitoring of the vehicle is required. So the job of the human is the surveillance of the rolling robot. And this needs to be performed constantly. You may know um, this um, electric vehicle company out of uh, the USA. They are communicating their level 2 system, and it is a level 2 system, 
as some kind of autopilot, um, which refers to level 4 and level 5. But de facto, it is a level 2 system, which means, and somewhere in the footnotes in, in a contract you sign when you buy one of these cars, uh, it will probably say that uh, you have to keep constant uh, monitoring, that you have to monitor the, the, the vehicle constantly when you use this so-called autopilot. So level two, two dimensions are controlled by the machine, but constant human monitoring is required. Level three is basically like level two, but, and that is the, the big difference, the driver is allowed to withdraw from the driving task for a limited and for a defined period of time. But you're allowed to grab your smartphone, check your mails, um, maybe read a book or a magazine or some, some uh, car makers even rotate the seats um, 10 degrees, 15 degrees to the inner so that you have a better conversation. There are different things out there. Some of them make sense. Some of them are nonsense. But um, it is possible to go out of the control loop when you're driving on level 3. The nasty thing is that uh, you have to return to the control loop within a short time frame, uh, this, which means a, a few seconds. And the general agreement inside the automotive industry at the moment is three, th uh, three seconds, four seconds, maybe five seconds. That is the time that uh, we can give the driver to return into the loop on uh, level three and also like on level two the automation can only be activated if all conditions are met roads with lane marks um, dry roads no snowy roads whatever may be required for for a level th uh, three automation that needs to be matched before you can turn on the system Level 4 is basically like level 3, but the time that you have to return into the control loop is more like several minutes. So there are a few use cases uh, that you can imagine. For example, you drive to, to a beach and you drive there, uh, level 4, automated. The car drives you to a certain point on, on a highway. And then for the last uh, half a mile, maybe on a gravel road, which is not digitized, you can take over and, and drive manually to the beach where you want to go to. So these are scenarios and, and the car knows it and, and lets you know, all right, um, there is um, an end of the infrastructure that I know in uh, 10 minutes. Please be prepared to take over in 10 minutes. Plus the facts that the number of contexts in which the vehicle drives independently is significantly higher than on level 3. And then finally, we have level 5, which is then autonomous driving. It, uh, no, no driver intervention is required. All driving actions are carried out by the rolling robot alone. 
Question here is, um, is this uh, realistic? For me, level five is, I am somewhere in the United States in location A and I want to go to location B, wherever it is in North America and I can drive there without any intervention. Same goes for Europe. Uh, I am in, in Portugal and I want to travel up to Finland and um, there is nothing that could ever happen in between these two locations and I can drive, I can be driven there by the rolling robot. And I discussed the issue with uh, an engineer, a leading engineer from, from one of the big German car makers and he thinks that level 5 is more a philosophical, philosophical um, issue, more philosophical level that we have because there will always be scenarios and use cases when you need to have an external intervention to move the car. And if it's only if the car breaks down or has a flat tire and it needs to be pulled up to, to a truck to be transported somewhere else, then already there is an external intervention. So big question is, um, will we reach level five at all? Um, it is realized in some contexts already in, uh, in closed uh, premises of companies or exhibition grounds uh, or is it more a philosophical target that we have and um, that, that uh, we want to go for. All the six levels that I have described have an influence on the interaction between driver and vehicle and with that on the HMI, the human-machine interface, the way the relationship is organized and the way the relationship is turned into technology. So let's run through the levels, the six levels um, that I just introduced. Level zero, traditional car. I mean, go out, take a seat in a car that has no level one or two automation. This is what we had in the past hundred years. We have a steering wheel, we have a set of paddles, uh, we may have a gear stick, uh, we have all the instruments showing us the relevant information. We may have a separate display for media information, navigation, communication, whatever is required or wanted or convenient while you are in a car. And uh, you have to have full control over lateral and longitudinal movements of the car. Basically meaning you have to steer, you have to have the steering wheel in your hands, and you have to have, have paddles to, to brake and to, to accelerate to bring the car to, to, to an appropriate speed. Level one are also the cars as we know them today. The HMI issue is how do I activate the either longitudinal or lateral control of the vehicle? So how do I activate the lane keeping assistant or the uh, advanced cruise control that I may have in a car? So is there usually there are, there, are, there are buttons on the steering wheel? They may be somewhere else. Very often you find a two-level activation, meaning you need to activate the system by itself and then you need to set it to a certain speed. So there are different uh, solutions out there um, for, for the activation and um, you also need, uh, which from my point of view is not very well solved in many cars, 
you need to indicate the activation of the system and, and the correct performance of the system to the driver. You may have some, some icon on, on the dashboard saying, you all right, uh, cruise control is activated or uh, the lane, lane keep assist is activated. But at the very end of the day, I think that there is room for improvement. Uh, we can go, we can be better in that. We can, we can go on. But basically, from my point of view, the problem is, is recognized and it is more or less solved. Cars on level two, those are the ones you can find every now and then out on our roads already. They will have a dashboard architecture and interior architecture as we know it today. So there will not be a radical change on, on level two. Again, like on level one, the function has to be activated in a way, in a one or two level interaction that you have. And uh, you have to show the interaction, you have to show the activation of, of uh, the function on the display. So this again is, I mean, there, there, there is one uh, level two car I've been driving lately. There's one single button on the steering wheel. You activate that one, then you get a signal. All right, uh, I have taken over. You can uh, take the hands of the steering wheel and then uh, we have, uh, I'm driving now. The car communicates that. So again, we need to design this in a proper way. We need to need to design the interaction in a proper way, but uh, I don't see this as a rocket science. The problem that uh, we have is that we need to communicate the mode the car is, is in. So we need to create an mode awareness. We have to tell the user, hey, uh, I am driving or hey, you need to drive. So what is the active mode? We need to communicate this to, to the uh, to the driver. So we, we have basically four different uh, scenarios that we have to have a closer look at. One is the car believes human is driving and the human believes I am driving. Then we have manual driving, no problem. Second scenario, the car believes I am driving and the human believes the car is driving. Also, no problem. Then we have Automated driving, the car is performing basic tasks by itself, and we can uh, we can we can we can uh, sit back and, and and just watch the car working. Then we have the scenario that the car believes I am driving, and the human believes I am driving, which is slightly critical. But in the automotive industry, we have the rule that uh, human always overrides machine, so we are back to manual driving. The car steps back and we have manual driving, normal manual driving. The critical one is the car believes the human is driving and the human believes the car is driving because then no one is driving. And this may lead to serious problems. So this is why I believe that the mode awareness the communication of the mode the car is in. What what tasks is the car performing and what is still on the driver's side? That is critical on, on level two. 
The second big issue besides the mode awareness is uh, the control of the driver. So we require on level two, the driver to be, to remain in the loop, to, to surveil the car all the time, to monitor all the activities. And then the driver is responsible for everything that's happening in there. And technology is, is not capable to solve any of these problems or all of the problems, many, but not all of the problems. And so we need to find out, is the driver still involved in the driving task? Is he or she still attentive? There are various measures for this. Um, one I, uh, I was driving for quite a while is um, that you have to rattle on the steering wheel every 10 to 15 seconds, which, um, to be honest, feels a little absurd. I mean, you have a car that is driving for you and, and you have to rattle the steering wheel every 10 to 15 seconds just to, to show that you are still alive, that you're still there, that you're still involved, that you're still in, in the monitoring mode. I mean, that, that is somehow ridiculous, right? There are others like driver monitoring systems um, that are under development um, that will be, that will find its way into cars that some cars already have. So you check, uh, are the eyes of the driver still open? Uh, is he or she still looking at the road? Um, that also is a very good thing. And, and if you find out um, that uh, the, the driver is not monitoring the system anymore, then you will make a beep down or rattle the seat or, or the, the, the safety belt, whatever. So we need to find out, is the driver still attentive or not? And by the way, if you have a look at all the accidents with autonomous cars that we have, it is, in as far as I understand it, almost every case uh, that we have, uh, the, the driver was not attentive. The, the driver was out of the control loop. And um, so these accidents shouldn't have happened. And, and the driver is required to remain in the control loop, but uh, was not. And then these accidents with autonomous or no, not autonomous, there it is, with automated cars on level two, they happen because of the, the because of the inattentiveness of the driver. Let's move on to level three. For me, level three is the bottleneck of automated driving. If we do not solve level three properly, then the entire story may be dead sooner than we think. The cockpit architecture is still as we know it. So we will have a steering wheel, we have an instrument cluster, we may have separate displays for, for additional information, um, steering wheel paddles, whatever is required to drive a car today will be in level three cars as well. You can... Uh, Turn on the automation. You can then go out of the control loop, um, do whatever you want to. And then you have to return back into the driving loop within a few uh, seconds. And this moment, when the car recognizes, hey, I can't drive anymore, dear driver, it's your task in three, two, one, now. This is the moment that I really fear because we have people that are busy checking mails on their smartphones, making a call, talking to the passengers, whatever, and they need to return into the driving loop and be able 
to drive, um, probably in a pretty complex situation. And um, I, I doubt that this, that this is possible in the way we can imagine this. Because we need to build up, the driver needs to build up situation awareness. Situation awareness is a concept that comes out of uh, aviation and describes is the pilot, or in, this, in our case the driver, aware what is happening, what's going to happen next, where am I, where are all the others and what is the dangerous point. And if you have a complex situation, this may take quite some time. So there, are this, there is different research out there and um, some of the researchers say it's no problem. You just hunt the horn or give a beep tone or whatever and drivers are right back in the driving task and can fully perform. Others say mm, in complex situations you may need 60 maybe 120 seconds until you have a full situation awareness. I believe the truth is uh, somewhere in the middle, but it is more than the three to five seconds we have defined for the handover on level three. So what we need is if we want to drive on level three, we need to have a situation awareness creator. We need to support the driver with various HMI measures to create the situation awareness as fast as somehow possible. So we are having these three to five seconds and at least a basic idea of what's wrong, where are the others, where am I and what's going to happen next needs to be created. And in this case, I am thinking about a holistic solution in the entire cockpit, including maybe head-up displays, including A-pillar displays, including um, active, uh, interactive, uh, illuminated trim parts that we have. So that the entire cockpit, the entire car helps the driver not only to be aware that there is something to do, but creating an awareness of what is to do. So we need to have this situation awareness uh, creator on level three, which will be a lot of HMI work, a lot of human machine interface design, a lot of UX, UI design to deliver a valuable solution. Move on to level four. The scenario level four is you have um, a level four car and it is solving 95, 98% of all driving situations by itself. It takes you from Lissabon in Portugal to Helsinki in Finland. No problem on that. But uh, there is still something, uh, some situations, a very, very low number of situations, but they exist, so-called edge cases where the driver needs to take over. And the problem is, if the driver has to intervene, it is usually in complex situations, but you have not been driving for maybe a year or two or three because your car is so good that it does it almost all the time by itself. What I fear is the loss of competence in driving. 
Again, in aviation, we're discussing this a lot, that there is a loss of competence if pilots do not fly manually and aircrafts are fully automated. You just need to tell an aircraft, a modern aircraft, where to go. And then it starts, it takes off, it flies and it lands by itself. But pilots need to go to a driving simulator, I think at least twice or three times a year, to uh, fly manually. Or they have to take over in an automated flight and, and dry, uh, fly manually in, in various contexts. So they avoid the loss of competence by this. Problem is, do we need to do this on level four cars as well? We say, all right, um, guy, you have been driving one week now without driving by yourself. Now you need to drive one hour by yourself. Is that really what we want? Is that what, what, what the positive user experience is? So I have my doubts. And again, like on level three, I don't have a final solution for this, but I see serious amounts of developmental work, of thinking, of design work that we need to perform. On level five, we create a situation as we have it today in trains or in planes or in, on buses. You somehow enter the destination, maybe some, some special requests. Um, I want to have a coffee break uh, every two hours on my, my trip or um, please do not drive faster than 30 kilometers per hour in urban areas, whatever you may want to have from, from the rolling robot as a service. Um, even the driving style, whatever, you, you, you need to input that and then you just sit there and you can do whatever you want, like uh, in a train or in, in a plane or in, in a bus that you're driving. Pull out your laptop, you can make phone calls, you can just sit there and watch out of the window. Uh, in, in a presentation on a conference yesterday, I heard that the number of people that just want to sit and watch out of the window is higher than we expect. Um, okay, why not? So um, the HMI problems, they become uh, HMI problems or HMI issues like we have them in, in any consumer device, on any uh, PC, whatever. So that is a totally different area, a totally different field, has nothing to do with automotive HMIs anymore. One issue remains on level five, which also occurs on level four and uh, partially on level three, that is motion sickness. So we have to handle motion sickness. There is a serious number of people that get motion sick in cars when they do not have the control. And at the moment, I am kicking off a research project together with a high number of companies and, and universities where we use artificial intelligence to minimize motion sickness. And again, we will have quite some research work to do on how we will show it, what kind of HMI is required. But that is one of the few problems, uh, HMI problems, that is left on level five. Okay, so far so good on the HMI issues on different levels of automated driving. A few remarks uh, at, at the very end. The time frame is completely open when we will have uh, uh, autonomous driving beyond level two on the roads. I mean, we have level zero since 100 years, level one since 20, 25 years. Level two is um, the latest, greatest stuff that we have. 
many OEMs claim basically their technology is ready for level three. I believe this. Um, there are still a couple of legal things to be solved, but at the end of the day, we are at the moment between level two and level three. Level 5 was forecasted for 2025, five years ago, uh, 10 years ago. I don't believe it, at least not in uh, as, as a fully autonomous driving from A to B, uh, from any A point to any point B. This will not be possible in five years from now or in four years from now. But I think we will stick with Level 2 and Level 3 for longer than we expect it today or even longer than we expected it in the past. One of the problems is that the benefits of level two and three or higher levels are not in proportion to the costs that you have. The technology that you need for, um, let's say, level three autonomous driving are somewhere between five and ten thousand euros slash dollars slash pounds. So um people with all the the problems that are still involved with the automated driving will not be ready to pay this not to to a larger extent and so from my point of view this is another point uh, besides all the technological issues that we have uh, is, uh, is is the cost at the end of the day are people seeing the value of automated driving and uh, are they ready to pay for this at the moment, 95% of all driving situations can be covered. Maybe it's 98, maybe it's a little more. Don't don't drag me down to a, to a single figure. But there are a few situations left, 5%, 2% of all driving situations that are really hard to solve. Those are the so-called edge cases. Very seldom, but they all may, may turn out very critical. And so for the first 95%, um, we have solutions. And then we need to think, how can we solve the final 4.999% of, of uh, all the driving tasks? And this, from my point of view, will take enormous amounts in, in technology, in development, in uh, testing. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But um, I don't see it happening in the next very few years. There are, of course, advantages uh, of automated driving and uh, even more of autonomous driving. We will have fewer accidents. Um, we have a lot of more people that are uh, flexible and mobile, that will remain mobile. I think about elderly people or my youngest son, uh, as you may know, is mentally handicapped. And if he had the chance to just call an autonomous car and, and drive from A to B, I mean, he will never have a driving license. And, but but he would be able to to gain a certain amount of mobility. That would be great. Um, so that's a big advantage of of uh, autonomous traffic. Plus that we have higher energy efficiency, better use of roads. But that is uh, in level four and beyond. And that is when we have a large amount of people uh, have uh, automated cars, and that these cars communicate with each other. Well, that's worth a different episode of, of the Human Technology Podcast. All right, and there is uh, the desire to drive. People want to drive. They love to drive. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much of a petrol head, and, and I love my Harley Davidson, and I love to drive, and, and uh, 
I want to have the chance to take over and say, hey, I want to drive now. I mean, this this is what I what I'm into and, and this is what I love. And, and if you have a beautiful route like the Highway One in California, I love to drive there by myself because driving is is a cool thing and, and I love to do it. And so we need to think how we catch up with that, how we um, do this. And of course, when I'm standing in a traffic jam or drive through a traffic jammed Berlin downtown area, I think, hey, it would be great if the car is driving. Why not? Right? I mean, yeah, so somewhere in the middle, as always, there may be the, the optimum. And a final point on uh, HMIs and uh, automated driving is that humans distrust machines. So there's there's a lot of discussion about trust and, and automated driving or trust and autonomous driving. And we have both over-trust and under-trust. And people tend to under-trust technology, particularly if they had a bad experience with that. And there are nice studies um, out there. Um, I, I remember one of, of, of Volvo. They found out you need about an hour to build trust uh, in, in an, an autonomous car. And then within seconds, it's destroyed uh, if something goes wrong or if there, something unexpected happens. And then you need uh, even longer time to build it up. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's this distrust on people and, and technology. And uh, all this combined, the, the desire to drive, this distrust, the high prices, um, the, the edge cases we cannot cover today, uh, this combination will lead to the fact that uh, autonomous driving may take longer until it's realized than we think today. All right, let's summarize this podcast. We have six levels of automation according to SAE. Each of these le uh, levels describes a different relationship between humans and cars, between uh, humans and rolling robots. Uh, it describes the different uh, division of tasks, different allocation of tasks between the human and the machine. Each of these levels has specific requirements for vehicle HMIs, for interiors, for the design of interactions, UX and UI design, and the entire user experience. Level two is reality today. It is like an advanced driver assistance systems. You need to remain in the loop, but the car is performing certain driving tasks by itself automatically. It is unclear how and when higher levels will come. I discussed this, uh, there is a desire to drive, there is distrust, um, there is the price issue. So we do not know when we will have uh, level 4 and level 5 in a serious amount of vehicles on public roads. And at the very end, I have to be honest, I'm not really clear whether I want to have higher levels of automated driving. As I said, I'm a petrohead. I love to drive. And so, for myself, I don't see the need for anything beyond level 2 or level 3. Did you like this episode? Then you may recommend it to persons in your network. That may also be like and they may also like it and they, they may also benefit from from this podcast so 
If everyone recommends one other listener every week, we get an exponential growth of listeners. And we all know, we all learned in the pandemic what, ex, uh, what, what uh, exponential growth means. And so we can move a lot. The more listeners I have, the better the podcast is ranked on the various platforms and more potential listeners will be aware of it. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.